Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Joshua 6, 1 through 21. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets. And with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them, the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guards were walking after the Ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the Ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city and the city and all that is in it within shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. You shall go into the, they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen and sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. 
So moving further into the Exodus, Moses has passed on and now Joshua is leading the people. And, and you know, I we were talking about this earlier, but what's actually really interesting about Joshua that many of you might know, I didn't know until like this past year, um, Joshua and Jesus is actually like the same name in the uh, original language. And, and it means Yahweh saves. Um, and so, you know, I think that alone brings interesting dimension to these stories about Joshua and right. has kind of, you know, helped how I read and interact with him. What, what are your thoughts on this story? So this is one of those stories that I think helps us to get a little bit better picture of who our God is and what it looks like to worship him, uh, in faithfulness. So, you know, God gives Joshua and the people of God strange instructions here. Mm -hmm. So if we're <laughs> transporting ourselves back to when you would besiege cities, like this is not how you do it. Yeah. You know, like it, it doesn't take uh, an art in, in warfare or you don't have to go and read the art of war to understand like this isn't how you do things, right? Like you would, you would go and you'd build ramparts. You, you'd like, you'd have yeah, so uh, siege works. Siege yeah, work. yeah, there, yeah, there's stuff that you do, right? This mm -hmm. is not how you do it. Yet, uh, nevertheless, this is the Lord's ways. You're going to march around for seven days, then you're going to march seven times, you're going to blow horns, you're going to shout, and boom. And so two things. One, I think that shows us that God is the one who is delivering this city into the hands of his people. So uh, God wants to make it abundantly clear who exactly is doing the work here. It's not because you're really good at building ladders. Mm -hmm. Like, like I am doing something special, mm -hmm. but I think he's also paving the way for his people to realize that my ways aren't your ways. Yeah. Like, like I do things differently. And, and so I am God, you are not mm -hmm. part of your job is to believe in me and trust in me. And, and when I speak and when I promise and when I purpose, you get in line with that and, and you hold on and you trust me. And, and so I think here in this particular moment in redemption history, what we see is, is that God is bringing his people into the land and he's giving them the land and he will accomplish it surely. And he's going to do it on the basis of his wisdom for his glory. And he wants his people to get in line. And so it, you know, God's doing something unique here in the book of Joshua, but he, he does this kind of stuff continually. And I think part of what we're called to do is to trust the Lord when he wills and when he purposes according to his wisdom, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Yeah, that's, that's such a great word. And, you know, it, this passage also, it makes me think of Christ and his earthly ministry. Mm -hmm. He, he foretells that, you know, he's going to, tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. And it's kind of this, this other collapse uh, of yeah. this time of, of Jerusalem's kingdom. And, you know, I don't know. There's, there's this interesting sense in which Joshua is, he's bringing the collapse of, of these pagan nations to right. establish what the people of Israel hoped to be the kingdom of God. And yet because of their sin and stubbornness of heart, their, their own purpose in that is thwarted time and time again yep. by themselves. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And so when Christ finally comes, he he brings, you know, there's that interesting passage in, in Luke where, where Christ says, you know, I've not come to bring peace, but division and mm-hmm. the sword. And, and it doesn't really like sit right with me or like most of us because, you know, we think like, oh, Jesus, peace on earth. Yeah. And he talked about judgment more than anybody else. Yeah, there, there's that interesting paradox where like Christ is the Prince of Peace, and and he yeah. he does come to bring shalom, but he brings it through the collapse of our earthly kingdoms yeah. and, and even uh, of Jeru- Jerusalem's own, you know, deformed and deficient idea of the kingdom of God, and he rebuilds it in himself and establishes an everlasting kingdom of God yeah. in himself. And, and, you know, um, another, sorry, I, I'm, I'm like spouting Luke references nowadays. Cause that's what I'm reading. Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But, uh, there's another awesome passage where Jesus is saying, people are going to tell you like the kingdom of God, they're going to be looking for it and telling you like, Ooh, there it is. Here it is. It's right over there. Mm-hmm. And, and they're liars. The kingdom of God is going to, you know, it, it it's coming in this unexpected, almost anonymous form. Absolutely. It, it's an upside down kingdom where the least are the greatest. Yep. And, and that is so comes alongside that point that how we expect the Lord's victory and triumph to come, how Israel expected it to come it it confounds the wisdom of earth and right. the the wisdom of god seems like foolishness to us often yeah. and yet it is you know the only path forward yeah um man there's there's a lot of directions to take that but i, I do want to just offer a quick disclaimer i'm not so in tune yet with christ's covenant culture to know if this sort of thing has been covered recently but it it does strike me that someone can read this or hear this and us reading through Joshua and they could hear this bit at the end about devoting the entire city to destruction yeah. and have their sensibilities be offended by that and go, what in the world? Yeah. And you know, that, that feels intense. And, um, yeah. And so I just want to briefly, um, you know, speak to this idea that, uh, th- the, the happenings of Joshua six and subsequently in the book of Joshua, the ban, you know, Israel going and taking the land and devoting, you know, uh, parts of the land to destruction, at least they really find their Genesis, ha, uh, back in the book of Genesis, you know, way back when, when God met with Abraham and he promised him the land and he promised him that he was going to make him a great nation and all these, all these great promises that we've covered over the past, you know, several weeks part of what he says is I'm going to send you guys off for 400 years and I'm going to bring judgment on that nation that I send you off to. But part of the reason you're going to be gone for 400 years is because uh, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Mm. And part of what I think that's getting at is that, that there's this idea of a scale of justice. Yeah. And, and here for the people in Jericho, they have been filling their side of the scale with the, with iniquity for generations and generations to the point where God is saying, okay, I am a patient and long suffering God, but now my justice demands that my wrath be carried out. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're, we're not talking about innocent people here. 
uh, innocence is a category that we need to be very careful with. These are people who have continually sinned and rebelled against the holy God. Yeah. And so now um, God is not acting arbitrarily. He's not acting uh, uh, harshly in the sense that in the sense that we often think of. No, he's coming and he's exacting his justice on earth so that he might display his glory. So that's a hard thing to wrap, your, wrap our minds around. Yeah. But I, I just want to make sure we're connecting the dots here that we're not just talking about that. This isn't just in a vacuum. Uh, these are um, people who are who are doing good and and just happen to be in the the war path of Israel. No, these are people who who God has been patient with, and He's given four hundred years, and they've continued to rebel mm-hmm. and to to do things that would ultimately stir up and stoke His His anger. Yeah, and just to speak to that briefly as well you know i that's definitely something that i continue to wrestle with is the whole you know jesus and genocide totally thing um one thing that i i feel like the lord has kind of been teaching me lately is even just giving perspective to the fact that because we live in the political era that we live in the whole view of war, mm-hmm. it, you know, war is like one of the most complex topics ever. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and you know, I've I've kind of been watching a lot of awesome war movies lately, like Nineteen Seventeen and uh, Saving Private Ryan and stuff. And it's made me think about like, man, even just like a couple of generations ago, you know, we we live in this era where where war is, is hyper hyper political, yep. and you know, we don't like the military is just everywhere all the time and, mm-hmm. and there's, it, it's just complicated, you know, yeah, and yeah. like the Afghanistan or war in Iraq and Afghanistan and all that, it's more about like enforcing democracy in resistant right. areas. Very, very complex. And we won't get into that, but you know, I, I think about like even these passages, if you lived in the time of world war two, where there's nations like, japan and germany Mm -hmm. the the idea of like a whole city needing to just be to fall Mm -hmm. that makes a lot more sense and so you know and and there's a lot of great resources out there There that we're just like barely flirting with the surface of um yeah yeah and and, i mean to your point i want to say this gently but nevertheless I, i think it's true we often balk at the idea of war because we're, we're incredibly privileged. Yes. Because yeah. we live in a world where we don't have to think about the sort of atrocities that happen all over the world because we don't have to think about evil being in front of us in a way that we can grab hold of because we're fairly well protected in our society. Mm-hmm. And that is certainly not true in a lot of places around our world. I know people who come from tribes and come from regions where war is just like a part of their life oh, man. And, no. and they think very differently about this. And then I know uh, if, if you are just any student of history, then you can think back not very far and, and you can realize this has sort of been characteristic of mankind for a very long time. Totally. So, yeah. Totally. Well, a great word um, from Joshua and Hebrews, uh, just where the righteousness also, sorry, Wanted to close out saying there's one person in the entire city of Jericho yes. that is spared, and it is the least worthy person. Yeah, a prostitute. Yeah, in her household, uh, you know, a, a fornicator, yeah. likely a cult prostitute. 
and which shows us the character of God. And we're going to discuss this uh, tomorrow, I yeah. guess. But but yeah, I mean, we, we see God's goodness on display in that. Yeah. So far be it from us to act like the mercy of God is not present Amen. in this story and, and his righteousness and mercy are both upheld. So may we live today in pursuit of that righteousness and mercy. For Jackson Randall, this is Will Carlisle. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.